welcome to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back. Quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us. Welcome back to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. Uh, I've got someone who everybody's been wanting to talk to and talk about, and everybody has been talking about. We're going to clear some air and figure some things out today. Uh, and I'm really excited because I'm not a distance guy, but I've got one of the premier distance guys with me today. Help me welcome from the University of Tennessee, the I'm going to get it all jumbled up here, Sean, the director of cross country, head coach of distance. I'm just going to call him the distance guru. The volunteer distance guru. That'll, that'll confuse everybody by calling him that. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Mr. Sean Carlson. Sean, how are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely, man. We've been we've been talking about this for a while now, ever since the the new, by the way, congratulations, the new uh, job title here at uh, down in Knoxville. Uh, I'm excited because, uh, first of all, I'm excited for anybody who's had success and done some amazing things in this profession. Uh, but I'm also excited that you guys are maybe doing some things differently uh, there at the University of Tennessee. And you're also with one of my very good friends, Dwayne Ross, is a uh, just a I, I hold him very dearly and esteemed in my life, to be real frank with you. And he's a podcast alum. So now you guys can have, you have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Sean, let's start with, we're going to start with you. At some point, I'm assuming you were an athlete. I'm assuming you were a distance runner. That's probably a safe assumption. But at some point, coaching switched from something that was done to you a coach would write your workouts tell you what your long runs are going to be etc and some at some point it had to flip in your head that oh wait a minute this is actually something that i can do that i i can become a coach one day where does coaching begin for you yeah so uh i ran at north central college in naperville illinois is Sorry. that right yep yep alcarius the the greatest to ever do it. Um, I was fortunate to kind of learn from him a lot of philosophies on, you know, life training, how to treat people, um, you know, all those things. And, uh, you coaching had always been something in the, in the back of my mind. Um, you know, and as an athlete, you think it's, you know, just show up to practice, obviously. Um, and then you realize it's a lot, lot more, um, but yeah, you know, right after college, I um, I went and worked for a very short bit. I uh, decided I was just didn't want to do the nine to five cookie cutter life, and um, I ended up and decided to um, get my master's at North Central while coaching at uh, St. Charles North High School. Um, so I coached distance runners over at St. Charles North. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, and then figured, well, I want, I'd like to do this at the college level, kind of had Al as a mentor, obviously. And, you know, his suggestion was just doing it at the biggest and best level that you can first as a, as a volunteer and, you know, just seeing where it goes. So, um, Joe Piani fortunately took me under his wing, um, as a volunteer at the university of Notre Dame and, probably for my first three months, I was just like, I'd show up at, I think like he would get in at like eight o'clock in the morning, Joe. And, um, so I get in, try and get in at like seven 30. And then we had an associate head coach, Alan Turner at the time. Um, Alan would get in a little bit later in the day, but stay till like 11 PM. And so I just worked their hours. So seven 30 <laughs> till 11 and, you know, did whatever they needed me to do. And, um, three months into that, uh, one of the assistants at Notre Dame had left and uh, they they kind of said, well, you're sitting there. You seem to be in the office all the time. You know, we're not going to hire you at the end of this year, but we'll give you this year kind of. Um, and so I just worked like crazy because I thought I was going to get fired at the end of the year. No benefits. And uh, I think it was like 
like $12,000 or something like that. So that was my first uh, year of co collegiate coaching. And then well, unfortunately pa they, they pa kept me on. Pa yeah, right. Pa pause there. Cause what I want to go back to real quick is you went into college to study something. You thought you were going to be something, a, a doctor, a lawyer, a business owner. And, and maybe you, you yeah. did some of that. You said you mentioned you had kind of a private sector job. What were, what were you actually thinking you were going to do? Yeah, I majored in business and finance. Um, I wanted to own my own business. That was kind of my idea. Um, and I want to make enough money to do that and then retire early and then coach. That was kind of my plan. I said, well, I don't want to be, uh, you know, climbing the rung when I'm 45 or 55 years old. Uh, so I just decided to kind of send it and do what I love now. Um, yeah, all of college, I worked in grocery stores. Um, right after college, I had a a job in management at a grocery store that still my first job, I think. Well, now that I've got a new job, but it paid more than I ever made at the University of Notre Dame uh, in oh, 11 years. So well, you um, know, I, I gave I, up a lot. <laughs> I love to myth bust. So we're going to explore that as well, because we think, uh, first of all, Division One, just in general, Power Five, secondary, and then Notre Dame, we think if you've made it there, you're you're raking in the big bucks. I love that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. Um, before we get there, though, you 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 mentioned something that's really it's really special, and that's running for North Central. You know, the yeah. coaching tree. Like it, I bet Al Carius, Carius laughed when you came in as a freshman. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna be a business guy. I want to own my own business. And he's like, whatever, man. You're gonna be a coach. Do you know where you're at? You're at North Central. <laughs> this is what we do. We produce coaches, man. As you look back now, because now you have something that you didn't have then. You have perspective, right? We can we can look at the experiences that you had. What what was it like? I mean, North Central produces not only first of all amazing teams and runners and individuals, etc., but tons and tons of coaches. I mean. It, it, I could do a show and I'd have a hundred guests of just North Central alums who are in the college ranks, or not, not college, I'm sorry, high school and college of track and field ranks. What is it, what was it about North Central that, you know, as you look back now that kind of helped, you know, at least stoke the passion that, yeah, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to be a coach now, not, you know, 40 years from now. Yeah. I think a lot of our guys end up going into coaching and I think it's, says a lot about Alan Grammy, you know, their experience at North Central and how they were treated. Um, and just the impact that Alan Grammy had on our lives, you know, through college, um, you know, meant a lot to us. And it triggered something that we wanted to give that back to other people. Um, you know, I think it's just when you give and when you are helping others, I think it has a lot more meaning um, in your life and a lot more fulfillment. And, um, you know, Alan Grammy were the best example of that. You know, I mean, those guys were like fathers to a lot of us. Um, yeah, we were just incredibly fortunate to end up at this small little school in Naperville, Illinois, and have you know, who I think is the greatest of all time. Um, you know, Al Carius, he, yeah. No, no I doubt. I don't have good things to say. Yeah. Well, and you're right. Is as great a coach as we all know, Al Carius, interestingly, less people know about Grammy, uh, but as fantastic of a coach, both of those gentlemen, I've had the pleasure of working with them and getting to know them uh, through coaching. And then even through my time here at Gill, better people, <laughs> great, yeah. great coaches, better people. Uh, yeah. and that's when I, when I ask guys like, um, you know, Kareem up uh, Jackson up at Wisconsin, Wendell McRaven, uh, I can't even name more. There, there's a hundred more coaches I'm missing, uh, yeah. out there. It's always like, Oh yeah, they just gave, gave of themselves to us. And that helped us style our, you know, our coaching and, and stoked our passion for it. Now, interestingly, we're talking about a, a small, beautiful, by the way, if you've never seen North Central's campus, it's, it's gorgeous. It really is. And beautiful Naperville. He, his, you said his advice to you when you said, okay, I, 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 I want to go. I, I don't want to do this business thing right now. I want to coach. He said, go as big as you can. I, I thought that would have been the opposite of what I would have thought, you know, a small school coach would have said. 
Yeah, well, you know, because I knew I was probably going to have to volunteer to get into the profession. And it's just easier uh, to start kind of as a volunteer at that level. Because then after that, you can kind of maybe have a little bit more options, right? If I had volunteered at the D3 level, you know, I would pretty much limit myself to D3. This way I had, you know, all the division. Um, and just to see it, you know, I mean, to be frank, I already saw the best division three program in the country. You know, I don't, it didn't really make sense to go volunteer at another D3 school because, you know, <laughs> uh, North Central was doing it as, as well as you could. And so I think that's kind of his, it was his, you know, thought process like, well, you go do it at, at another level and see kind of what the differences are. And, you know, then you can kind of decide which, what level you want to be at and, you know, what excites you. And maybe there's some things that they're doing that we need to pick up because, you know, Al is always trying to grow and learn and he's picking people's brains all the time. And, and so, you know, he was even, you know, kind of curious, I think, you know, there too. So um, yeah, it just, it just made sense. You know, Joe, coach Piani was a, you know, a great mentor also and taught me a lot and had run a really successful program. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I've just been incredibly fortunate to to have you know, some some pretty influential and very successful people in my life at, at a really you know really early age uh, to help you know shape my philosophies on on coaching and treating people right and and those kind of things. Yeah, I was going to mention that you go. It's you know some of us are only lucky enough maybe to have a legend in their life once. You go from you know maybe a couple of legends, Grammy and Curious, uh, to Joe Piani, who, oh my goodness, another uh, just all star. When I coached at Ball State, he was one of the first people to kind of welcome me in the Midwest. I mean, just just an amazing human being. So I love that you you set your 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 sights high. Like, okay, let's go find, you know, what's one of the biggest programs I could find, and you 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 hit maybe the number one. <laughs> you go to Notre freaking dame here now what was it like was there any i'm gonna call it imposter syndrome do you know do you know what imposter syndrome is have you heard uh, that term yeah. yeah so you you were at um i'm gonna give all the prejudices of d3 your d3 non-scholarship little naperville uh and now you go to the big time notre dame acc national championships is the goal every year for cross and distance and track there at notre dame how did you, how did you acclimate yourself? I know you, you said you're a volunteer, so I understand there's some different yeah. places there. You're not maybe writing workouts and stuff like that, but you're still having to uphold that ND on your chest and, and what Piani and the other coaches are doing. How did you go from quote unquote, little D3 to the, the big stage right off the bat? How did you handle that? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that people that work hard are invaluable. Um, like the reality is if, if Joe wanted advice on a workout, he wasn't going to be asking his volunteer. Right. And I knew that, um, like he'll call someone that was relevant. Um, and so I knew, you know, I just knew my role and my role was to do whatever needed to be done, you know, and I would have cleaned toilets if I had to, you know, um, and I think that's the basis of anybody that's trying to get into the profession and volunteer is like, listen, you're volunteering to learn how to do the job. And you're trying to, if they're going to spend the time teaching you that job, you should make it worth their time by doing whatever and everything that you have to, to make their job easier. Um, and that's just kind of how I thought of it is whatever it takes uh, was what I was willing to do. And yeah, I mean, I think, you got to recognize that you know, most people that are volunteering are, you know, pretty, you know, fresh out of college. And, and so you're giving up your twenties, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I lived in South Bend, Indiana from 23 to, to 34. I don't know if you've been to South Bend, Indiana, but like, you know, not a place for young professionals. And so, uh, I live in I, Champaign, man. So I know, I know South Bend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just immersed myself in the job and, yeah. uh, doing everything I could to, in, in, in my way, make the program better. Um, you know, whatever my role was in that and it evolved, you know, over the 11 years that I was there. 
So I hear you. Dig one layer deeper. There's someone out there right now who uh, is either starting their volunteer position at XYZ University or wants to get into coaching. You now, looking back on that experience, what's the one piece of advice you would give them once they're there? Is it to uh, soak up everything training-wise the coach says? Is it to learn the other side that we, for you know, as, as athletes, we don't think about, we only think about on the track. We don't see all the other stuff that we have to do as coaches. What's what's one piece of advice like, hey, man, you want to make this worth your while? Make sure you do this. Yeah, there's obviously X and O's matter. I think learning how to run a successful culture is important. But then I also think, you know, you're going to see things that maybe you don't agree with, right? And that's good. That's not a bad thing, right? Like, I think it makes you think about what you want to do when you're in that role um, for good and bad. And, you know, every bad experience, I think, still has some benefit towards what you're going to do in the future. And so uh, I think taking in, you know, all of the aspects, whether you like them or not, is, is a really important part of it. Um, and then, you know, realizing there's really no job that's above you, you know, or, you know, you know below you, like you, you, you just do whatever it takes in whatever role you're in. I mean, even in the role I'm in now, like I'll do whatever I have to do, you know, like last week I was, cleaning our golf cart i washed our golf cart by hand why because it makes an impact on the program because recruits are going to see that golf cart because it represents the university of tennessee and it needed to be clean that day i'm going to do that like whatever it takes to be good is what we will do and um i just think that when people have that approach to how they go about their job and yeah, you, you're going to probably be a little bit more successful. Yeah. I love that example of the golf cart. You know, one of the things that blew me away on one of my visits to Oregon, Robert Johnson, now former head coach, uh, you know, Oregon has quote unquote everything, right? I mean, they can a hundred volunteers, a hundred director Vops, what, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went out for jumps practice and he was out there turning his own pits and I told him, I was like, Robert, I go, no one in America will believe me that you are actually the one who, do, you know, everybody thinks you got guys with golden shovels out here. Uh, so to hear, so you know, I was going to make a joke when you said you're cleaning the golf cart. I was like, hey, let's get your new director of ops on the line here. What's going on here? What, why are they doing that? Uh, <laughs> well, it's a great example of, of servitude of, you know, your, your quote there of, you know, no jobs below you. Right. It reminds me of the the famous one, you know, my parents, my dad, my parents taught me to treat the janitor the same as I would treat the CEO. Uh, well, that's that's only if the CEO is willing to do the things that the janitor w- would do, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, uh, so, so I love that example. Wh- where does that come from? Uh, were your parents, you know, I think of service type um, jobs Were your parents, teachers, uh, business owners th- that had to be learned by you somewhere. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, my parents were divorced very early in life. Um, you know, they were blue-collar jobs. I lived with my grandparents for um, most of growing up. Uh, so you know, I just learned that you've got to do what you've got to do to survive uh, pretty early on. And um, there was nothing that was off limits to survive sometimes. So uh yeah, and I've just taken that philosophy because you know, at the end of the day, the reality in my life, there's there's no safety net for me. If I fail at my job, I don't have a mansion to go back to uh, or, or a trust fund or a dollar for that matter. Um, like I've got to make sure that I'm successful. Um, and so, you know, I just knew there was no safety net. Is that... Is that what drives you? We all have different motivations. Is that, that almost sounds like, and this is going to sound the wrong way, Shauna. So stay with me here. Uh, it almost sounds like a feel, not a fear of failure. I was going to say a fear of failure, but you, you have this drive. Yeah. Like, hey man, there's, you kept saying it. There's no safety net. You know, some people say, you know, fear is a bad thing. Like fear is a good motivator too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, listen, I really enjoy what I do. I love what I do. 
but don't think for a second that every day I don't have a little bit of fear because that is the truth. Uh, fear of, you know, not giving my all to uh, the university, to my staff, to the kids that come to run for me, right? Like uh, there's a lot of um, trust and expectation that I have to fulfill too. So you, you feel in your role and the roles that you've had, like, you know, you have to be successful, but it, it didn't sound like you had to be successful for you and your ego. You, you mentioned your staff, the team, the school, like it, it sounds like it's like your motivation is actually a little bit bigger than just inside your skin. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I'll, I can find a way to survive in in whatever job, right? Like, um, but, but I'd rather do it for a reason, for a purpose, for something bigger than myself. And, you know, and, and that's kind of the approach I've always taken. It's obviously why it was very difficult to leave Notre Dame when I left Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, because I spent my the last 11 years giving 100 hour weeks, every ounce of my energy toward making a program better. And now I've got to, you know, now I'm going to give that to, to Tennessee. So let's talk about Notre Dame because you spent 11 years there. Not only did you spend 11 years a year, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like growing up, right? You go in as a, a baby volunteer, <laughs> you leave as, I believe, were you the head women's cross country coach? Uh, head men's head, cross country men's. and track and field coach. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I mean, you know, you, you, you did, you lived the dream in the sense of like what a lot of people <laughs> would hope to be, you know, they'd love to go in as an assistant and be a head one day. You went in as a volunteer and left as a head coach. Talk about your growth in Notre Dame. Cause you did have some amazing mentors, uh, Matt and Joe and other people, other assistants, Wayne Pates and stuff that came in some amazing, uh, men and women that have coached there. How did you see yourself transform as a coach and really as a person? Because, you know, coach is your title. Sean is the person. How did you, uh, your transition, how did you transform during that 11 years? Yeah, I mean, my roles changed a lot over time. You know, I started basically just recruiting. And then I got, you know, men's middle distance. Then I got women's middle distance. And then, you know, six years ago, I got all of the men's distance side. And, you know, there was even a little bit more responsibility and pressure on that um and when i got the men you know we were 14th in the region and 10th in the conference so we weren't very good replace that you know expected a little bit better than that and, you know we kind of turned that corner and you know won three out of four conference titles and we're second at nationals and cross country um but i think the biggest thing that i grew in is probably just maybe how I went about things. Um, I'm a very mission oriented person. And so I want to go from point A to point B in the fastest route. And the reality is sometimes you got to take some detours and stop at a couple points and say hi and smile and throw sprinkles. And, you know, um, so I think I learned, well, I'm still learning you know, to do those better. Um, you know, for, for a very mission-driven person, it, it's, um, you know, it's not maybe, it just doesn't come naturally. Um, and, and so I have, to, I have to work on that, and I still do, and still I'm trying to. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I think I, I took. You know, the X's and O's, an overall philosophy of how to train, that's all from North Central, you know, um, but, you know, how to grow up and, and be a professional is, is, you know, a lot of that was learned there and caring about kids and, you know, realizing that everybody matters in different ways. Um, realizing, you know, when I first got to Notre Dame, I thought, you know, these kids where they're coming from and where I came from are very different. And, you know, I don't know how much impact or help I can have on that. Um, and really quickly, I learned that like they are different problems, but they're still problems and they still have the exact same emotional reaction. Um, kids still have the exact same emotional reaction to the hardest thing they've done in their life. And a lot of times the hardest things you've done in your life 
start in college. Um, and so, you know, whether it's they lost, you know, parent or, you know, something really significant, uh, which we had a couple things, obviously that's very difficult for those kids, but it doesn't um, downplay other issues that kids had, you know, whether that be mental health or, or things like that. And, and our job is to, you know, be there for those kids and help walk them through that process and, you know, just let them know they got someone in their corner that's got their back. And maybe it's had some experience in some of those things as well. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're 18 to 22 years old and your echo chamber is 18 to 22 year olds, you know, and that's where you're getting all your advice. It can, it can be dangerous. So having someone that's seen it before, whether with it's another athlete or life experience or whatever, you know, the coach gives maybe a little bit more uh, or tries to take a step back and give a little bit more rational thought through, you know, perspective um, for kids. I mean, I think, you know, everybody thinks of coaches as the next to nose, but, you know, coaching is like, it's life, right? It's the things, the values and characteristics that you develop and reinforce in the four or five years you're in school are probably those same exact values and characteristics you're going to continue to have over the next 40 years of your life. And, and our job is to help reinforce and support the right things. Yeah. You can help them with the X's and O's, obviously the training component, you can help them get in their dorm rooms and teach your you know, classes. But the one thing you can't force into them is experience. That's something they have to live and experience on your own. But luckily they have coaches such as yourself to help guide, be that mentor the, the outside of the, you know, what's the repeats today and what's the long run today, the, the outside stuff, which might be, not might be, definitely has to be the majority uh, of what coaching really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're in it for those reasons, you're probably going to have, have a, a, a pretty good baseline of success, right? Um, X's and O's matter too, but but I think that gives you a really good starting point because if you have that, it's really easy to learn the X's and O's. Um, well, if you don't have that part and you have great X's and O's, I mean, no one's going to buy into to what you have to say if they think that you care about them more as an athlete than as a person. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's a real good, that may be the quote of the, the whole interview right there, man. If you don't have that, the X's and O's, you could be perfect on that. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, that's 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 really uh, hit rewind on that if you're listening because that, that was really in, uh, enlightening right there. So, you know, I told you I like to, I'm a myth buster. I like to bust myths, right? So uh, I want you to talk about two things at Notre Dame before we switch over to the, the orange here. Uh, one is you said, I think you said you made $12,000 your first year, your first uh, non-volunteer position. It's Notre Dame, man. Was it like a $100,000 to go to school there? Uh, we, we would all would have thought you, you know, you're making all the big bucks from the get. We thought the volunteer was making 50 grand, to be honest with you, somehow at Notre Dame. Talk to us about, you know, somebody who's getting into coaching. And, and I think it's okay to get into coaching for money. And, and I'll put that with an asterisk before anybody says, what are you talking about? Meaning, I think you should make money as a coach because you have a family, a life, etc. Yeah, you should be able to take care of yourself. 100%. Hundred percent, absolutely. Like I, I actually don't like the grind. Uh, the example you gave of volunteering and then twelve grand and then hopefully more and more. Because I'm like, no, man, you you have value as a person. I want you to get paid right off the bat. And I know you would have gotten paid right off the bat if that was available. I I get that. Uh, but talk about how did you, you know, you, you got Notre Dame on your resume. You got North Central on your resume. You're making twelve grand, maybe twenty grand's the next. I don't know. You had to have other mm -hmm. opportunities. Yeah, you had to. I won't. I won't get your IRA. I won't get your tax returns, man. It's all good. Uh, but you had to have other opportunities that maybe be paid a little bit more. How did you? How did you set your expectations and have the patience to know that it was going to pay off with a better, you know, more deserving salary eventually? How did you have that patience to not jump at the first? you know, um, I'll, I'll throw my alma mater, going to Troy university and making, I don't know, we probably pay 35, 40 grand. I have no idea what we pay, but less than probably what you're making now, but more than 12 grand. How, how did you have that patience to say like, Hey, this is my rock. This is, this is going to be the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I can't say thought at times. Right. Sure. Um, but I just think 
I think you should take the job over the money for as long as you can. And you're probably going to end up in a pretty good spot. Um, you know, the longer you can probably do that, probably the better position you're going to be. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, and when I say take the job over the money, I, I think that refers to a lot of things like a, a job that you think you can learn at and grow at and really set yourself up to be successful when you do take over your own program like that matters. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush, but, you know, the name of the school is relevant. It just is. Um, and, you know, that certainly helped too. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just valued um, my long-term future over over pay for for a long time yeah you know, for for a really long time i mean i think most people would be surprised what i made at notre dame throughout my career um yeah and, and i think you know you've got to prioritize just like everything else in life you know like happiness and what you feel like you can learn you know there, there's there's buckets you know there's categories in a job right hours work, fulfillment, happiness, salary, all these things. And let's say there's 10 categories. You don't get a hundred points, you know, you get, you know, 50, 60, 70 points and you've got to kind of prioritize which ones matter to you. And what mattered to me was putting myself in a position to be the best coach I could by being around people that, you know, supported me and, and helped me along and helped me learn. And then, um, by, by being at a place that could give me a, a, a chance to, to win a national title. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we scored 85 points at the national meet and had five All-Americans and didn't win. We were second. So sometimes it didn't work out. <laughs> That's just so sick, man. <laughs> it really, really is. You, it was six All-Americans, but five in the top 25. You lived it. So it's, it's more sick for you, my friend. Okay. Myth bus number two, and then we're going to turn to the, to the big orange. Uh, you're no, you're at Notre Dame. It's easy to recruit there, right? I mean, come on. You you mm -hmm. got to just go to the top ten kids in each category, the fifteen, the five k, and ten k, and just you just got to pluck them and bring them, bring them to to um to South Bend, Indiana. By then, it did become easy. I'll say that. Okay. We started as tenth in the ACC and fourteenth in the region. Nine twenty kids wouldn't take my call. I'm not kidding. You know, like there was nine, 20 kids that just didn't, weren't interested. And also the average ACT at Notre Dame is a 34, 50% of people denied admissions is our Valley Victorians in their graduating class. So 34 recruiting, recruiting, recruiting pool gets very small, very quickly. What's the highest 36, 36. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you're, that's you're, the average ACT of you know, the university average. Now. Right. Yeah. Athletics, obviously you know, get a little leeway there, but it's not like we were the football team, you know, making miracles happen either. Um, so, so it was, it was, um, you know, it had a lot of, you know, parameters and we had a very small recruiting net and, and you kind of had to really hit it. You know, it's not like um, there was a, a huge pool of kids in that, you know, when we took second at nationals in cross country, we had seven guys within 500 miles of campus. And I think what that really shows is, you know, we had, to develop kids mm. the national meet outdoors last year we had two 918 guys at the outdoor national meet wow. 918 out of high school ain't good right okay <laughs> and i don't i don't know the exact stat but i'm pretty sure those are probably two of the slowest high school prs at that outdoor national meet right. so it just shows that like yes we did get some really really talented and footlocker national champions but at a place like Notre Dame, it's difficult to have that kind of depth because of the academic standards. And so you had to develop kids. Um, now, the last year I was there, we signed six or seven guys under nine minutes for two miles, which has to be the number one recruiting class in the country. Right. That was a little bit easier because yeah. we established ourselves into being one of the better distance programs in the country. Um, so that's your present Notre Dame as I leave, you know, probably the number one recruiting class in the country. Um, but it was a long haul to get us to that point where we had access to those kids and where we could recruit those kids, um, where those kids would even have a conversation with us, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, some of those kids were looking at Notre Dame and Oklahoma state as their final two, right? Like 
that doesn't make sense. Right. right. <laughs> it means they care about running. Right. You know, obviously, they chose Notre Dame for academics still too. But you know, when when those are your two places, you know, like Dave Smith has done a fantastic job at Oklahoma State, making it a premier running program, and it just shows that you know the kids that were you know looking were some of the best distance runners in the country and prioritized running. Yeah, it's, it's quite common. We forget that we're looking from the outside. And so we see a Notre Dame or uh, any other school, you, you name it and think, oh, they've got it so easy. I, I remember when I was going from high school and I wanted to go to college coaching and I was like, man, college is so much better. I get to pick who I want to work with where, you know, in high school, it's just whoever shows up. That myth got busted like the first day I, you know, my first college job. And then when I went to the SEC, I was like, oh man, it's going to be so much easier now. I'm at Mississippi State, SEC. Everybody's going to know who I am and who we yeah, are. Everybody wants to be in Starkville, Mississippi, right? First of all, you got Stark Vegas. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> my, my, my first recruit I called, LZ Coleman, uh, set the indoor 400-meter high school national record. We, we Spoiler alert, we signed him, by the way, baby. Uh, but my first phone call, I call him up. And I was like, so LZ, I was like, you know, so like, who else are you looking at? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, it was USC, Baylor, Florida. <laughs> I, can't, I think it was TCU at the time. And I was like, Ah, crap, this didn't get easier. I got to recruit against Mouse. I got to recruit against LA. I was like, man, this didn't get easier. It might have gotten harder. <laughs> so the kids that you're recruiting, those sub nine kids, it ain't like they only had one choice. Like you're saying, Oklahoma State, and you probably up against some of the yeah. other, uh, you know, the top five. A month. They're, they're choosing a, they've got a lot of different color Ferraris that they right. get to choose. <laughs> I'm not selling a Ferrari against a Kia. I'm selling right, a Ferrari right. against other Ferraris. Right. So, yeah, they, you know, Stanford, think, Notre Dame, yeah, they were looking at all those places. Um, I think at best at Stark Vegas when I was there it was a Nissan Ultima. At best, at best is what <laughs> I was trying to sell. <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about selling something really, really good. I've been a fan of University of Tennessee for quite a while. How did this opportunity come up? And there's some uniquenesses here to explore because, and you're going to explain it to us. But Dwayne Ross is the head track coach, and Dwayne Ross, he's a uh, podcast alum. You got to go back and listen to his podcast. Just one of the most amazing men in this world. I, I consider him a dear, dear friend. And so that was announced like one day, and then like an hour later, the distance coach was announced. But it wasn't announced as here's the assistant track slash head cross country coach. It was here is the director of cross country, the head coach of distance, Sean Carlson. So Sean, talk to us, first of all, how did this opportunity come up? Why was it attracted to you? And what are you guys doing there in Knoxville? Yeah, it's certainly a unique setup that um, doesn't really exist in the NCAA currently. Um, you know, it started with Danny White, our athletic director, who kind of had a unique vision for track and cross country. I think you see a lot of distance-oriented programs and a lot of track-focused programs, and you don't see a lot that kind of do both really well. And, um, you know, Tennessee has a rich tradition of distance running. We won 1972 cross-country nationals here. We've had, I mean, some just, you know, really good distance runners over time. Um, and, and obviously, we've had a really good track team, and we want to combine those two without sacrificing one or the other. Um, I think we have a really unique model that I think works really well for both me and Dwayne and in that me and Dwayne care about coaching, right? And um, he doesn't want to deal with distance runners. I don't want to deal with sprinters because I don't know what I'm doing there. And let's take our time and energy and focus it into coaching as much as we can, which is why we've hired such big support staffs, mm -hmm. help us do what we're supposed to do. And that's coach. Um and, you know, we have, you know, already kind of coordinated our budgets, our scholarships for cross country and for track, and we can kind of do our thing, stay in our lane, and then at conference, regionals, nationals, show up together and be an absolute power. And I mean, that's, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know what sprint meets to go to, and Dwayne's not going to pretend to know what distance meet to go to. And I think we both just are confident and secure enough in ourselves and, and how we do things that we trust the other one to, to do it, you know, do their expertise really, really well. And, you know, obviously I met with the athletic director, Danny White, you know, initially in, in this whole process and, and kind of pictured my vision also of this. And then, um, and then, you know, me and Dwayne met and it just seemed, Seamless. It seemed really easy. Uh, I think a lot of people have egos in this profession, and 
and feel like they've got to be in charge of every little thing. And like, you know, both of us just want to be good and we just want to win. <laughs> and, um, you know, we both know kind of what we need to do in our worlds and we can kind of combine that into one when we get on the track. And so it's, um, I think it's a really easy model when you have the parameters around it from a scholarship standpoint, from budgetary standpoint, from a staff standpoint, all that. I think we already had all that laid out initially. So that way it was easy. There was no, um, you know, hidden doors. It was just, Hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, are you on board? Yeah, let's do this uh, kind of thing. So, you know, Dwayne's got four track coaches, you know, Dwayne, uh, assistant sprint coach, uh, throws coach, jumps coach, um, and then a recruiting coordinator, a director of ops all on the track side of stuff. And then on the distance side here, we've got myself and Nick um, as my assistant for cross country and distance. And then we've got recruiting coordinator, um, Paige Duca, a director of ops, Mackenzie Landa for cross country. And so, you know, we can just kind of do what we've both got to do as programs. And then we kind of collectively come together when, when it matters when we're trying to win championships. You know, I, I give Tennessee a lot of props. We, we just had this conversation with a past guest here recently about track coaches and, you know, the proverbial many hats that you have to wear uh, and how sometimes it's not fair. And I know life's not fair, but not that I expect a track coach to only be on the track to coach. There are some other things and responsibilities that you oh, yeah. have. I mean, when, when I was at Notre Dame, I did recruiting. I did, I did right. everything. Yeah. You know, until my last year at Notre Dame, I didn't have any assistant. Right. Um, it, you know, it was, it was me recruiting, doing it all and coaching 30 guys. Right. That's right? a lot. Yeah. A lot, you know, and during COVID I had a cross country team getting ready, a team getting ready for indoor conference, oh, a team yeah. getting ready because they didn't have eligible in, indoors or cross country for outdoors, you know, it, it's overwhelming. And I think the cool thing that Tennessee has done is they said, listen, we want to make sure that we're utilizing you for what you're good at. Mm. Right. Wow. And so by having a recruiting coordinator, a director of ops, all these things, I think what ends up happening is a lot of really good coaches eventually get elevated, right? The assistant coach that just coaches, gets elevated to be a director or be a head coach or be a whatever. And they move away from coaching. They move away from what they were good at. And they start doing a bunch of other things, paperwork, emails, mm -hmm. meetings, you know, just endless, literally could Fun be fundraising, order, all that equipment um, order. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and the reality is like, listen, I wasn't hired here to do that. I was hired here to make this program the best distance program that I can possibly make it. And that's what I'm going to focus on here. And I'm going to stay out of and allow our staff to, to do what they need to do in, in their roles. Um, just, yeah, I think people just stay in their lane and do their job. Usually things work a little bit easier. Yeah. I, I love this idea. Cause again, you know, Sean, you got into coaching to coach, not to do paperwork, not to do call yeah. logs and all this stuff. So I, I really like, I I'm love that. You're going to be good at that either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that director of ops is becoming more common. I know not every school has it yet. Uh, and several programs now are starting to get two DOs and, you know, recruiting coordinators, et cetera. So I just love that because it's supporting our coaches to be coaches. Uh, and, and then also the other things, it doesn't resolve you from all the other things you got to do. So I just love yeah, that the, sure. the support of giving coaches here for yeah, that. I want, I want those people to be in a position to tell me what to do, mm -hmm. not me to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I'm going to coach and do the X's and O's and have time to have relationships with our kids and, you know, be present and go to lunch with them and, you know, be in their lives. And then, you know, on the side of things that we need to do to be an organized program and be structured and do things right. Like, you know, we've got people in place to have, that know how to do it and, and will tell me when I've got to show up to the meeting. So I love the vision that Danny White gives for this. As far as I know, it's the most unique out of any other university that I'm aware of. Maybe there's somebody out there I just haven't heard of. I usually know. I think it'll be more out. common eventually. Right. So going into something new like this, for you, this would be going into something new, even if it was the traditional model, right? You're going to a new place. Um, you're on your own, your own on this one. You know, your complete fingerprint will be on this one. Others with 
it would scare the bejesus out of them, right? It's like, oh, wait a minute. This is not, this ain't how we do it, Danny White. This ain't how we do it, Tennessee. Yeah. What attracted you to it? What, 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 you know, I think of Notre Dame and conservative and traditional. Here, we're doing something. We're throwing the recipe out and creating a whole new ball game here, buddy. What, what, yeah. what excited you? Obviously excited you. You took the job. What, what excited you about this? Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't want to go through the motions in life. And, you know, I, I, I'd rather be on the cutting edge of things and do something that I, you know, I was, you know, at the end of the day, I believed in it. You know, I believed in what this can be and, and the success that this can have. And I think when you believe in something, you got to bet on yourself, you know, and, and that's what I did. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, but, you know, we, we took second at cross country nationals. We had the most distance qualifiers for other outdoor national meet. Like we were doing pretty well um, at Notre Dame. And obviously it seemed like a, a pretty big move. Um, but you know, I just betting on myself and what I think we can do here and, um, betting on Danny White, I believe in his vision here and, and what we can be. I think we can do it in a fun way. You know, like there's high expectations, but you know, I'm in the SEC. <laughs> we can have some fun too. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You know, I interview coaches from around this country, buddy. And not many say, and have fun with it. So I, I love that attitude. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's a job and that's supposed to support all these other things, your family, your, your lives, your passions to be able to have fun at work. Th that's a unique perspective and we're in sports, so it shouldn't be unique for us, but I love that, yeah. that attitude of let's have some fun while we're doing this and being successful. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, last year, I think, or last week, Nick edited up, we worked 95 hours. So, um, if I'm not having fun doing this, like this is my life, right? Like right. What, what, why am I doing it then? Right. So yeah, we're, we try and enjoy this and enjoy the relationships that we're able to make with our kids and, and stuff along the, along the way. And um, to be honest, winning is fun. Correct. And, and hard, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Very hard, but, but it, it's you know, fulfilling. And, and so we're, we're excited about that part too. Well, let's talk about something that we don't talk about a lot here. I don't know that I've ever used this word on the podcast, Sean, because I don't like dealing in it. I like just asking straight to the source and I've got the source. So I'm going to, we're going to bust this right here. I don't like dealing in rumors, right? Everybody likes to talk. And of course the internet chatter and all that kind of stuff, it's out there. The rumor is this, this ain't just a, a radical new way of looking at track and cross country. It's a radical way of looking at how you support track and cross country they tell me that the internets, you know, they capital T, you know, they, I've yet to figure out who they are, but they keep telling me stuff, right. That the cross country slash distance side is going to be completely funded by NLI. Now that's a cool, sexy thing to say because of what NLI and what you see with football and basketball, are, are you guys going completely? So no scholarships for your distance kids only funded by, I don't even know what NLI is. And I think God, I got out of coaching. T tell us what's the truth. What's let's get the real skinny here. Let's put this to bed. Yeah, we've raised a hundred million dollars already. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 that's that's just a rumor. We have scholarships allotted for distance runners here. Um, you know, typical of what you see at, at any program. So we believe that the money and we're investing in, in distance running can you know allow us to be successful. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Good. So it's not a completely NLI. That'd be the, uh, there is, if, if it was going to be, I, I hate to say this, don't take this the wrong way, Sean. If this was going to be done for cross country at Tennessee, it would already been done for basketball at Duke or basketball at name any other big, rich Notre Dame, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It wouldn't start with cross country folks. So I love that there's some <laughs> traditionalism here uh, that, you know, by the way, we still have rules. Notice how many coaches you said it's the six coaches that you're allowed and there's no, nothing crazy and funny and uh, non rule book. Uh, breaking yeah. going on and here. NCAA will probably eventually change and some of those rules and scholarships and things like that I'm sure it's coming but um we're you know doing what everybody else is doing trying to win with 12.6 and 18 scholarships and Amazing. you know it, it is what it is okay so 
other inquiring minds. This isn't rumors. This is just me now prodding and poking. And cause I know a lot of the people on your staff. So it's just curious. Uh, you have very distinct staffs. So you have a distant staff that you control and you have a track staff that Dwayne oversees. You mentioned you're kind of, um, these are my words. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You're going to be doing your own things. You mentioned, you know, he doesn't know what Stanford 10 K meet you got to go to and all that stuff. And he knows what sprints and jumps and throws he needs to go to, but you're going to come together fully for like two times a year, not two times, sorry, two times indoors. And I guess three for outdoors, right? Conference and nationals, hyper-focused one team volunteers going at it. Uh, and then outdoors um, conference regionals and, and nationals. Yeah. How do you, who, who makes the call? You, you've got a stud that can do the five in the, t- I'm speaking out of my butt here. I don't know who does doubles and what, but you got a stud that can do a 15 and five double or indoors. That's probably where it's more going to be applicable, right? DMR, 800, 1500, 3000. Uh, I guess it's the mile, not the 15. I, I just have every distance coach yell at me on Twitter right now, by the way. Uh, who makes the call on, you know, personnel utilage to help the team do best for conference and nationals? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is like, one, all at times we'll be at different meets, and I think we're still one unified program, right? Okay. Like me and Maine still want to be together in this, and our whole both our staffs want to be together in this, and so you know I think we're still one unified group with one vision. Um, so I don't think that goes away. And same with the kids on the team, yeah. You know, our distance kids are going to know our sprinters and jumpers and throwers and okay. vice versa. And so we still want to have all that be a part of it. And we want to be a team um, and, and we want to support each other and, and do that. But I think part of being a good team is trusting your teammate, right? Uh, the distance runner trusts that the thrower is going to do what he needs to do. And, you know, myself and Dwayne trust that we're going to do what we need to do and, and, and know the right decisions to make. And so Dwayne's not going to pretend to know, whether that 10K kid, you know, that might be having a shot at winning a national title, the national meet needs to run the 10K at conference or not. He's just going to say, score as many points as you can at the conference meet and do it in a way where we can do our best that we possibly can at nationals and a conference. And the same thing, you know, it, it's people complicate this to be more than it is. Like he knows that I have the best interest in our program. And I know that he has the best interest in our program. And you know, we trust each other to to do what's right in, in in that process. And so, yeah, he's not gonna ever tell me whether we need to run a kid in the 10K and I'm not gonna tell him anything about sprints. I, I want you to lay out his four by one for him, please. Just tell him, say, hey, you know what, Dwayne, I've been looking at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Exactly. Just start at the start, baby. Just start at the start. I just think that's what's happened in our sport is we take good coaches mm-hmm. and we overwhelm them with a bunch of other stuff and they don't become good coaches anymore. They become very average coaches. Um, let people do what they're supposed to do really, really well and, you know, create the staff and support around each other and, and you're going to probably be pretty good. That reminds me of the, you know, having the right people on the bus. That's only half the equation. Having those people in the right seats yeah. on the bus. That, that's yeah. what it reminds me when you, you tell me that. I like that. I like that. Uh, all right, man. You have been, uh, I don't know, what is this day? This is like day 17 for you. It's not very many. <laughs> Maybe day 30. Yeah, not know, many. Something like that. Yeah. You, you, might, you might not even know how to get from wherever you're probably in an apartment or something or in a hotel room right now to the office. It's probably, you're still doing that. You're recruiting. You got a great staff. Finally got that. Not even finally. That was quick. That was good. You got good people. Uh, You're super, super busy. Thank you so much. But wrap us up here. We're going into cross country season. In fact, when you're listening to this, I think they just had their first home meet, uh, first cross country meet, which was a home meet. So you got a home meet that you're hosting. What's got you and the staff excited for this season what are you really looking forward to you know not in cross country but also indoor and outdoor what's just got you jacked up you just can't you can't wait what's got you excited yeah i mean i think we've got a really good group of kids here um on campus right now in tennessee jerseys that want to get better and i mean you can't ask much more than that is you know kids that are bought in want to get better i mean i've been incredibly impressed by you know how excited our team is about by having the new staff here and and wanting to just you know take the next steps in their progression as as distance runners 
you know, I know we're a new system, but they all seem really excited about it. Um, and then we're excited about the future. You know, we've already had, I think, 30 to 40 kids on campus already. And wow. uh, we've had one to two kids every single day that I've been here um, for visits and we'll continue to roll with it. Um, I think I've been impressed by how, uh, how easy this place is to, you know, kind of sell to kids, you know, it, it sells itself really. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been fun, you know, and it's a cool city. We're close to nature. We, we've kind of got the best of everything. We've got mild weather. I get to see the sun every single day here, uh, which is, you know, rare where I'm coming from. Um, so there's just a lot of really cool things uh, going on and yeah, we're, we're pumped. And, we're in the SEC, you know, it's good luck. What say? It just means more. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you, I have a, a buddy of another school that's coming into the SEC. And I was like, look, man, I was like, I was in the SEC before A&M and Missouri was there. And it sucks. It's just a tough, brutal, dead meat. And then they I'm added A&M in Missouri. And now they're going to add Oklahoma and Texas, buddy. Yeah. It, I'm pumped a, to shake it up. Bloodbath. And uh, I have no doubt that you guys are. Because I, you know, I've known Dwayne for a long time now and believe in him. I've seen what you've done. Uh, I believe in you. I believe in, I actually, beyond that, because one plus one can equal two. But I think the support of the of the university of the athletic department it, it starts from danny right i think this makes it a one plus one equals three kind of thing and that's uh i know there's plenty of people that are a little concerned right now my friend and that's a good seat for you to be in uh to be causing that concern so now it's time to go out and produce and that's what you've done throughout your career yeah i mean i think hire the best brain coach in the world and i think i can do my job pretty well like And the, Just, and the rest and the rest of them aren't bad either my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know that yeah, i know we, yeah. we, at this point we can't say some things but uh yeah yeah, yeah it's no, incredible it's, staff and we're we're gonna let people do their jobs and that's simple you know i love it i love it we, we love to complicate uh, you know uncomplicated things same thing with you know distance running or you know x's and o's of track and field like then just do the simple stuff really really well and you're probably going to be very good. When you start trying to work on 1% one, 1 stuff, <laughs> you forget about the 99% that actually matters. Right. Um, yeah, we've got the right people in the right places that all want what's best for the program and yes. want to support each other. And we're going to run with that. Well, my friend, what I love about your story, as exciting as, you know, I, I use an analogy of the 400 meters a lot and where they where people are in their careers. You are barely at the starting line. And what I mean by that, that's a positive thing. It means you're so young, you've got a lot of experience, but you've got 10, 20, 30, 40, I don't know, with modern miracle medicine, you might have 50 years. Look, the way you have fun with this, you're going to be coaching for a long time. I could just tell, man. You you a piano, you going for a long time. I'll carry it. You even got those guys as examples, man. You got a long, long runway. And that's there won't be a hundred hours a week when I'm 50 and 60. I can tell you that much. You'll, I still you'll, got that right now, but you'll deserve to move it down. To, you'll deserve to move it down to 50 or 60 hours a week back then. It's it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but what's exciting about that is you know the success that you've had today which is amazing for this young appointing of your career, you're going to have so much more going and you're going to positively impact young people so much more. And I love, I love that your pedigree, I love your background and that it comes on a, on a coaching scale from North Central. You mentioned about training earlier and we don't talk X's and O's, but I love how you said it. You're like, oh, all the training, you know, that's North Central way. I mean, that's just what we do. And you've added your own spin as you continue to educate yourself and, and get better. And the kids that come in that are a little different. So you got to do, you know, some things like that. I, I love that story because that's what gives people hope. Someone doesn't have to look at your position and go, oh, well, I have to be a, a division one runner at Notre Dame to kind of get a job like Sean has. Like, no, no, you can work your butt off, have great mentors, put yeah. the work in. What, 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 no, one, of my no one hired me because of my athletic pedigree. I right. can tell you so much, you <laughs> yeah. Know, like, yeah, th thank God, right? I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like, man, thank God that wasn't part of the, <laughs> part of the interview process. Uh, but no, it's exciting, Sean, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I appreciate, like I said, I, I love being a Mythbuster. I love kind of clearing the air uh, and showing people that really at the end of the day when you pull back that orange curtain it's a bunch of people doing a bunch of hard work and having fun with it and i think that's going to show once we start seeing results here in cross-country season indoor and outdoor and i'm excited for it man i really am awesome well thanks for having me yeah sean man appreciate your time again i know you're super busy man go back i know you got probably five recruits sitting right outside the desk the office you got a bunch of do's and 
recruiting coordinators. Uh, go get them, man, and good luck at the indoor meet. Or I'm sorry, at your home meet because uh, that that's no small feat on its own, man. That's its own uh, fun stuff there. So uh, thanks again for being here today, man. Thank you for listening today. Uh, join us next week. We're gonna have another awesome person. We're, we're gonna find out if they have as much fun as this guy. He definitely looks good in orange, though. I'm, I'm gonna give you that. So we'll see who else pulls different colors uh, as we go along the road here. So thanks a lot for being here, and we'll see you next week. Mike, what an incredible journey Coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.